Welcome to the Go All In podcast. I'm your host, Robert Bruss, and today on the show, we have Prosper Taravinga from Live Long Digital. Now, Australia is truly the lucky country. Listen in today as Prosper shares his journey from coming all the way from Zimbabwe to Australia with nothing but a backpack full of hopes and dreams. Let's get started. Hey everyone, I trust you're well and staying safe through this crazy time in history that we're all experiencing. I wonder what it's going to be like in five years' time when we look back at 2020. My gosh, I don't think any of us could have predicted what happened and is happening this year. It's crazy. To all of the fellow Aussies and listeners in Melbourne, we really feel for you. Uh, now that you're in a, another six-week lockdown, make sure that you take some time to look after yourself and make sure that you stay connected with the ones that you love. Lockdowns are tough, but social distancing doesn't mean social isolation. So make sure you keep your friends close and your family closer. Before we get into the show today, just take a little peek at your phone and hit the subscribe button on the app that you're listening in on. And if you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll down and hit the subscribe button there. And don't forget to ring the bell. That way you'll always have some motivation and some go all in love right there in your pocket. Lastly, if you like what you hear today, please share this episode with your friends and your family. Prosper has an important message to share on today's podcast. And if we can just help one or two other people to break through their barriers and get stuck, then we would have done our job here on the show today. Alrighty, let's get into this. Prosper was born in Zimbabwe and he immigrated to Australia in 2009. Upon his arrival, like many, well, like thousands really of immigrants before him, he navigated the hardships of a new country, no skills and no network. Luckily for him, he arrived in the best country in the world where he can create an amazing life from absolutely nothing quicker than at any other place on the planet. Prosper's story of immigrating here to Australia is not an uncommon one. But with his happy-go-lucky attitude and his determination to succeed, it's no wonder that he's been able to break through the way that he has and, well, dare I say it, prosper. This is a wide-ranging interview, and I know that you're going to really enjoy his energy and his knowledge. I'm excited he's here, so please help me in welcoming Prosper Taravinga. Prosper Taravinga, welcome to the Go In Podcast. It's great to have you here, mate. Absolutely, Robert. Thank you so much for having me on today. No problems at all. I'm looking forward to talking to a fellow digital marketer about all the things that are new and what's happening in the world. But before we get into any of that digital marketing craziness and all of the, the madness that revolves around that world, let's get to know you a little bit. Why don't you tell our audience uh, a little bit about you? Where are you from and how on earth did you get into what you're doing now? <laughs> That's a very long story. I, I hope we've got a couple of days on this podcast or we're not going to run out of tape. We'll right. So, <laughs> great stuff. So obviously, like you said, and thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I've seen the caliber of people you've had on here and I'm just thinking, wow, this is such an honor. Thank you so much. That's my so, pleasure. Um, Robert, I was born in Zimbabwe. Do you know where that is? I do. Yeah. Fantastic. So um, that was almost nine years ago when I arrived in Australia. Uh, so just giving you a backstory of what the situation was like when I came back, when I came here and the reason why I actually chose Australia. So <clears throat> there was not a lot going on in Zimbabwe financially. We were all 
sort of like what Australia is like at this current moment where there's no food on the shelves and that has been happening for the last maybe six or seven years. All right. We've only just had six or seven months of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there was no prospects of really going further in life or uh, either in business or, you know, in the corporate ladder we've had, we had had a president that was uh, stationed for about 36 years mm-hmm. and he had not um, you know, yielded the position for anybody else, which meant that culture in the country also became stale. CEOs were not letting go of small positions um, within their business, which meant there was no one who could climb up the corporate ladder. I could have gone to university, I could have studied, but all of that would have amounted to nothing. And if you would look at the um, achievements and accomplishments that I've gotten in the last nine years in Australia, they are chalk and cheese to what would have happened if I was back home in Zimbabwe. So I arrived in Australia um, in uh, July of 2011 with nothing but a backpack full of hopes and dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, I basically knew one and um, I figured I had to really be of value to the marketplace in order for me to um, you know, um, have friends or be known or at least have some sort of company. We are societal beings. And like you said, I'm now a digital marketer. It wasn't like this when I started off, all right? We long to connect. We long to be around our own kin. And we thrive from, you know, having other people complimenting us and telling us we're doing well. And if you don't have that, you don't flourish. I don't know if you know about babies. If babies are not patted or if they're not held or they're not, um, you know, close to any other human you know, body warmth, they actually do not thrive. So that was me arriving in Australia, nothing but just my backpack and I'm full of hopes and dreams. I knew whatever I was going to accomplish was going to be way better than what I was living back home in Zimbabwe. So I came in, the first job that I did was work in a restaurant. And since I wanted to connect people, I went on and did something that the owner of the business got so mad about. I went on and created a Facebook page for the restaurant. Now his experience was that the internet is just good for, um, you know, reviews, testimonials and bad reviews that people are going to leave on there. So he was so angry at me and it's like, he came through the, the, you know, the kitchen, um, area we were working. So just so that I I put a bit of context to this, if you've watched, you know, shows like Seinfeld or any other American TV shows where between the restaurant and the kitchen, um, there's that swinging door that just opens and, you know, you bump into it. So he came bumping into that. It would have gone 360 and hit him in his head if there wasn't a wall behind that. That's how angry he was. He was like, who did this? And I stopped and I was like, oh, I'm in trouble now. Because I didn't know anyone to, you know, maybe give him a hint or say anything. So everybody was not saying, look at what you did. You got us in trouble, yada, yada, yada. So he's like, stop whatever you're doing. Take that page down. I don't want to see it. He's Italian. So he owns a restaurant in, um, in Lygon Street. There I am. I'm now shaking in my boots. The only place I was about to call home, they're chucking me out. I thought I was getting fired. So it would have been on a Thursday night. So I didn't even go to work on Friday because I was so scared. And then, you know, I didn't want to make a mess of the whole scenario. So on Monday, I got a call from my boss and he's like, hey, stop whatever you're doing. Come over to the, to the office and show me what you did so that we can finalize this page or whatever. I'm like, wait a minute. Is he talking about keeping the page? 
what had happened over the weekend was some girls had come to the restaurant and left a really good review. So mm. now he saw the need for the website to be actually there. <laughs> he calls me in and then we uh, start working on the website. He's like, stop doing the kitchen. You work on the website now. And, and you work on the, on, the, on the Facebook now. And I was like, oh, okay. Little did I know that was sort of the beginning of my career, man, in, in yeah, Australia. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of bit of serendipity there, a bit of an accidental beginning and whatnot. I had a similar I had a similar beginning in digital, not so much in the marketing perspective, but more in the development side of it. When I left the military in two thousand and two, I uh, I had a company, and it is back in the back in the bad old days of the early noughties where building a website would cost you anywhere from twenty to fifty thousand dollars, right? And it was in the days before. It's kind of hard to. It's hard to imagine these days when you've got things like Squarespace or WordPress or Shopify or Magento or something like that. You know, these platforms didn't exist back then and building a website was a black art and it required some sort of university ninja skills that nobody really understood except guys with, you know, that, that wore glasses and really strange clothes and never had girlfriends and you throw them a chicken bone under the door type thing. It was really strange back in the day. Like when you, when you look at it compared to now and uh, we just couldn't afford that amount of money to build a website. And so I learned how to do that myself. I taught myself how to do that. And over a period of time, I just had people say to me, Hey Rob, how, how did you do that? Can you, can you do that for me? And hey, can you help me do this? Or can you help me do that? And it sort of just evolved into helping a few mates out here and there. And there was little bits and pieces that I added onto it as I went along. And in 2007, this thing happened that was just the catalyst to it all, really. Um, this little thing came to market. You might have heard of it before. It's called the iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there were these things on this iPhone called apps that nobody had ever heard of before. And it was like, well, this thing's going to be huge. How do we go and build apps? How do I go and position myself to do that? And, you know, it was sort of a, it was the right time, right place and accidental stuff like that as well. So I understand what you're talking about. You know, some things happen, uh, un, they're unplanned, but they, they're a good thing that happened to you and they set you on a path. And yeah, you, you kind of look back at it and go, man, if I had, a, if I, if I had my time again and I could look forward 20 years into the future and this is where I was today, I would never have envisaged that you'd sit down and record a pod. What's a podcast? What the hell? You know, it's such a technology and, and marketing and digital has evolved so much. So it's, it's really cool. It's interesting because I know a lot of other digital marketers, a lot of mates in this industry um, who have had similar beginnings to you and I. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you did mention you were in the military. Thank you so much for your service, man. Oh, you know, you. when you were taking us back to the dot-com era, I was just thinking, man, we've got it good. You know, like right now, all you, all you need is a t-shirt, a pair of sweatpants and a laptop and <laughs> you're good to go. Back in the time, you really needed so much backing and, and, I, and I've been reading a lot more about the dot-com days. And when you started talking about how things just happen for a reason, you reminded me of Steve Jobs, which ties in with mm -hmm. what you talked about, the apps. You know, you cannot connect the dots looking forward. You can only look, connect the dots looking backwards. So there's so many things that happen in our lives. And basically where you are 
is not permanent. Okay, mm. some some things are probably going to uh, be created tomorrow or the next day that will make your life so much easier. So a lot of people usually give up at the first hurdle, not knowing that they were almost about to get to their goals or whatever it is that they're um, going for. So pretty much that's just the end. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, w- one of the things that I love the most about about technology and about digital and marketing and stuff, although I don't do a lot of digital marketing these days, all of, all of what I do is turned inwards to myself because I don't do any client-based stuff anymore. It's all internal for myself. One of the things that I really like about it is that nothing stays the same. And... And the great thing about it is you can be on the leading edge of something and create something relatively inexpensive and give something a really good go. And it always comes to the analogy of, you know, they will, if you build it, they will come. Not always true, but you might build something and get lucky with certain things. You never, before, before 2007, you never envisaged that you would want to swipe your phone you only wanted a smaller and smaller flip phone like it was in the matrix. And those phones got pretty small. That Nokia technology got pretty good and that Motorola technology was, was pretty cool. But as soon as smartphones came around, then you could send like Blackberries came around. You could send a text message so much faster. You could send an email so much faster. And then the iPhone came out and it's like, you can, you can swipe an app. What's an app? And then there's games and then there's all these other things there. And you know, it's really interesting that, that technology was military-based technology, which had been around for a long time. That wasn't invented by Apple. Not a lot of people know that. And it was just an aggregation of a bunch of existing technology that came together. But there was no way that Steve Jobs or anyone in that engineering team could have ever have known that people wanted to swipe a phone, to swipe up to answer, to, to, to take a photo that only lasts for like two seconds in Snapchat or to communicate with each other via a social network, a social what? It's like no one could ever have envisaged that that was actually going to be a thing. And that's the thing that really excites me about digital. And, and it still fires me up these days as well. You know, every now and then I come across a startup that asked me for some help and they asked me for that. And they're the world's best ideas and everyone has the world's best ideas, but there's only about 0.5 of a percent of them that actually ever see the light of day. And by the time I'm talking to somebody, it's seen the light of day. So they've got some good backing behind it and it's exciting. It's a, it's a really good thing, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, when you were talking about how, you know, the whole composition of this podcast, I reached out uh, to you, signed up from your website. Mm. This is probably the first time we're ever talking, you know, back in the time, this would have been a really big production. All right. Mm. I would have, yeah, you would have sent, I would have sent maybe my CD in the mail. CD (laughs) is even recent, isn't it? I would have sent a mixtape in the mail of what I wanted to say. And then you responded back to me. This would have been a whole year in the making, the microphone, the Mm. the whole channel that we have on broadcasting live on an instant. And no wonder you're saying this is all military grade uh, technology. But then the nice thing about it all, like you said, there's always things that are happening that are, you know, uh, new and nuendo and they're always changing in the digital uh, space. Every day I wake up, Robert, yeah, there's somebody who's created an app, a tool, or some sort of system that is designed to wipe my job away. Mm. You know what my protection is? <laughs> Being a loud mouth. Now, yep. 
<laughs> the more I talk, the more I pass on my message out there, it makes it so easy for people to recognize who I am and how I'm able to help them navigate this whole uh, space that you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. So the way we actually help our clients in, in, in marketing, basically in my uh, business, is we, it's, it's all overwhelming, all right? So we help them find the right market for their product or service. And then pretty much after that, we create a resonating message that goes to that market, all right? And what then we use as media to bring that message to that market can then vary. And if you would want to notice one thing, the media is usually the thing that changes, Mm. right? If you would look at, um, you know, well-to-do companies, let's not go too far. Nike, what is their message? Just do it, baby. Absolutely. All right. But what do you do when you're wearing Nikes and you can't just do it? <laughs> you just do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> do it anyway, right? But yeah. you see, they've got that message going um, out there and it's, it comes at your fingertips. I don't think you were thinking about them right now, but it's, it's so ingrained mm. in our psyche that it's become like a language. It's mm. become second language to us. So that is their message that whenever you're wearing their equipment or whenever you're wearing or you're in the vicinity of somebody who's wearing their equipment, you will notice that person going above and beyond, to use your word, goalie, mm. all right? So basically, the message has to be consistent. Coca-Cola 100 years ago, I come from Africa. We always had the message, open happiness, or, or Coca-Cola signifies um, you know, happiness with your friends, share Coke with your bro, share Coke with your mom, share Coke with Robert, all of those things. I bet you've got one that has a name on you, right? for, for you, right? <laughs> I, I don't, but I do know what you mean, yes. Bam! I'm, on, I'm the only kid that never gets anything written. written yeah, your, na- yeah, your name, that's why, yeah. <laughs> All right, but you you get what I'm saying. Their message has been consistent. Their Mm. market is the same, all right? The people that are out there enjoying a meal with a friend, that is who their market is. The media has constantly changed. Forgive me if I say this, but they invented Santa. That Mm. is a media. They then put their um, message on a billboard. They put their message in magazines. They put their message in videos. All of those are different types of media that are basically transforming and changing as time goes by. Mm. Now, you also did mention something about Snapchat, which basically was the biggest internet heist of the 21st century. It was, indeed. (laughs) Exactly. Snapchat had come up with their really grand idea, swiping whatever you were talking about earlier, but Facebook just literally yanked that idea from them. Yep. And now we've got Facebook stories. Now we've got Instagram stories. And guess who's joined the bandwagon? LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. LinkedIn has come up with stories as well. But guess what normally happens? When people jump onto a new media and they do not have a message, no market or no person is going to hear whatever it is that they're about to talk about. So that's, that's where the mismatch comes in and it becomes so overwhelming. And that's why at Live Long Digital, we just hell-bent on helping our clients, you know, figure out what their message is, what their market really is. And then we then figure uh, or help them navigate the media side of things, right? Podcast is a media. 
Mm -hmm. right? Video is a media. Your website is yet another media. So, so many people try to juggle a lot of things because you can't climb the ladder of success with your hands full. So figure out what your message is, what that market is that you want to hear that message and where you're really good at things, video, podcast, blogging, all of those things are a dime a dozen. Yeah, I want to get into that a little bit more. Uh, So hold that thought for me because I want to talk to you about some traffic strategies and whatnot because I know that that's an interesting topic to a lot of people that are listening. Before we do that, I I can't bring you on the Go All In podcast, man, without asking you the signature Go All In question. So Prosper, people, people come on over to the Go All In show to learn more about others that have gone all in. So if you could, mate, could you Please share with us your biggest goal in story or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment to success. Absolutely. And I'm going to keep repeating. And I think this is the theme of this, this show today. Where you are is temporary. All right. Well, whatever you're going through right now is temporary. I've talked about the story that when I came to Zimbabwe and my, um, you know, the, 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 the restaurant that I was working in, um, created what I've now created, but it doesn't end there. All right. When I was working in and around, um, you know, uh, Australia, really trying to find my feet and figure out what it is that I was doing, I still had no skills. All right. I still had no skills. And the only way I could be of value to anyone or to the marketplace was to either have some sort of skill that I could exchange for money or I could exchange for attention because you are paid in direct proportion to the value that you bring into the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And if you've got nothing to show, don't think people are hating on you. You are just not giving them anything of value to follow through with. And that was me. Like I said, I had a backpack full of hopes and dreams, nothing else to my name. So, you know, living in, in Melbourne, I lived with a roommate who was working in a um, shop where they designed workwear. All right. And one day they came to him and they said, Hey, we want to take photos of our new range. Uh, why don't you come, come around? So it was a Saturday. All right. And we drove together to go to the place and I was just sitting there in the, in the lobby and didn't even know what was happening. Then one of the photographers came in and said, wait a minute, are you going to be a model for these people? And I said, no, I'm just here with my friend. He's like, come on here, try something on. And then I tried it and then it, it worked. Uh, they took photos of me and then they put the photos on their website, etc. And then I realized maybe that is what I'm supposed to be doing. I had long hair then and I had the look, all right? <laughs> so I started looking for jobs that I could go um, to do so I could get my photo taken. You know, when you're at the bottom of the barrel, you get the crappiest of the jobs where they tell you to hurry up and wait and you're standing the whole day there no food no nothing by the time they take photos of you you're hungry your face doesn't look okay and then they just tell you sorry mate we're not going to use your stuff and you wasted time so i decided to actually go to modeling school all right and that was a plunge that i had to take eight thousand dollars that i did not have you can imagine, I just come in from, uh, from, from Zimbabwe, I've probably been in Australia a year or a year and a half. Where am I going to get $8,000? They wouldn't give me a credit card because I don't have any sort of credit 
written or history or whatever it is. I went in and I signed myself up and I said, uh, I asked them if I could go in on a payment plan. They accepted if I had paid a deposit. Now, this is what I did. I was earning $875 a week in the job that I was doing. And they wanted almost $1,000 as a deposit, at least to make sure that it's, it's going to be worthwhile. Mm-hmm. I went in and I paid them my whole week's salary and I went and I borrowed money from my roommate. So that meant that week there was no food for me. Mm-hmm. That week that meant there was no, I used to smoke then, no cigarettes, no drinks, no rent. I put myself in such a position because I knew what was going to happen on the other side was going to be phenomenal. Now, I don't know if you see my photos. I look like a pro, you know, because I, <laughs> I did the school. I learned mm. all of that. Not a lot of people will put themselves in such a position where you literally make yourself homeless for you to follow a dream. Some people do, but I did. That was the second time I had done this just so I could go all in. And, and what happened on the, on the other side of the modeling school? Did you end up getting some jobs? Did you get paid some money? Did you earn it back? So after the eight weeks, I got signed up with one of uh, Melbourne's uh, biggest um, agencies. Mm-hmm. First, based on my look and the hair that I had. And I started appearing in uh, catalogs for Kmart. I started appearing for catalogs. Um, I did one for Target. I even did one show with Gok One when he was launching his line in, in Australia. Cool. Um, the Target, uh, yep. um, um, you know, period. And then pretty much from then on, I just started really connecting with the A-list uh, people in, in Australia. If you see my Facebook, I've, I've had a gig with Uzi and Kate where, mm. <laughs> where we were literally doing the social media, but we ended up just really having a fun time. It's all recorded. It's online there. Um, I've done a, a gig with Adam Goods and um, in conjunction with Snap Fitness, you know what I mean? So all of these big names and now most of these people are now my clients. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and I also use um, my, um, you know, my, my experience to showcase my business. And I'm now using that experience to be confident on video like this. This is coming from an African boy with nothing but a backpack full of hopes and dreams, people. Mm. You know, in the, in the last couple of weeks, I've uh, interviewed a couple of people and they've also been immigration type stories. And it's easy to forget because when you're talking to somebody like yourself, it seems like you've got it together. It's, uh, it's squared away. Uh, business is good. I can communicate. Everything looks really good, but it wasn't always that way. And at some point it was really difficult for you. And at some points, it's like you say, there was no food, there was no money for food. You know, I just got to do what I got to do to get by. And I really do believe it's been said time and again on this podcast that Australia is the lucky country. You can come here with a suitcase full of hopes and dreams and just some clothes on your back and, and you can prosper, you know, and you, you are an absolute testament to that. And, it, and it's true. It, it really is true. And it's just a matter of uh, how, how you think about things. It's just all got to do with your mindset and whether or not you're willing to sacrifice uh, whatever it is that you need to do you know, for a bit of delayed gratification to get yourself there as well. Prosper, what would you say to somebody that was listening to this podcast that was teetering on the edge of a decision-making process? Because I get a, I still, even after a couple of years of doing this, I get messages from people saying to me, 
hey, Rob, you know, I'm thinking about doing this startup. What do you reckon? And they're always looking for advice. They're always looking for me to, to tell them what to do. And it's sort of like, well, man, you know, you only, you only live once is sort of my adage about it. You know, you, you never, you're never going to score a goal unless you get on the pitch and run around and chase that football around. You're not, you're not going to, you're not going to give yourself an opportunity unless you step off the edge and go all in and have a go at something like that. What would you say to somebody, because you're somebody that's done that several times in the last couple of years, but if someone's teetering and they're not sure because they're living in their comfort zone, how do we give them a nudge? Basically, I ask them, who are you? Or who do you think you are? Because basically, if they have an idea that could help somebody leave a happier existence, then who are they to deny that person to reach that place in life? So if their idea is probably going to help somebody do work better or be happier or achieve more in life, the more they're hesitating, they're doing that person a disservice who could have benefited from their, um, you know, their idea. So who are you? Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful question. And it's a beautiful sentiment, actually, to reflect upon. I always say to people as well, you know, I've, uh, I've had the good fortune in the last couple of months to have had a bit of extra time, like we all have during this pandemic and the lockdown and whatnot. But I've had the, the good fortune to have created my own masterclass. And the masterclass has been created and it's been born out of people asking me all the time, you know, how do you do this, Rob? And, and how are you able to achieve so much? And you seem to be so busy and business is good. What are you doing? And the masterclass is the collection of everything that I've ever learned as an entrepreneur, everything I ever learned as a business owner and, and how I put all of those things together to make it happen. And, you know, it's, it's focusing on the process over the outcome is where I arrive. And when you decide to make a commitment, and when you decide to commit to something and you decide to go all in on something, all of the potential that you have, because that word potential has a future connotation, all of the potential you have is now brought into the present. So it's not like you could potentially do that. You could potentially be successful in business. It's no, no. If you commit and go all in, you are working on being successful in business. You are working on being successful at whatever it is that you choose to do. And if you make that decision to commit and to do that, and instead of focusing on the goals all the time, spend 95% of your time focusing on the process to get there and only 5% of your time focusing on the goals. That way, the goals don't seem so overwhelming and you can reverse engineer it. You can say, well, I'm looking for this really big goal. What do I need to do you know, in six months time, in three months time, in three weeks time, in three hours time? What do I have to do? I can reverse engineer and break it down. And, you know, and that kind of leads me to the, to, the, to the point of time management. And I want to, as we have this conversation today, it's a high energy conversation, which I love. I would I'd ask the listener and the viewer, and I'd ask them a question. And what I would ask is, there's 168 hours in a week. What is it that you're spending your time on? How much time do you spend commuting? Well, no time because I'm locked down in Melbourne and I'm stuck. I walk from the bedroom to the bathroom, to the kitchen, to my spare room, and I've commuted for four minutes. 
all right, well, you've removed the 90 minute commute each way. So you've got three hours back left in your day. You know, what are you spending your time on? How are you managing your time? Today on the podcast, if you look at your show notes uh, on your phone, or if you just scroll down, you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll down. I'm going to put a link to a calculator that I created that shows you where 168 hours in the week is going. What are you doing? What are you spending your time on? Too much time in Netflix, too much time doing the things that you shouldn't be doing. That will highlight it for you as well. Because I always hear people say, I want to go all in on this thing, but I just can't find the time to do it. And I, just, I call BS. I call BS because... If you can't find the time to do something, that means time is managing you. And if you let time manage you, you're going to find yourself in trouble in your life. What you've got to do is you've got to get it dialed in, work out where you're spending your time. The little calculator I got for you today will help. And then work out what you need to do to stop watching so much Netflix. Stop looking at your phone. Stop scrolling through Facebook and stop taking photos of yourself on Snapchat and sending them to your mistress. Stop it. They should do that after watching this video, though, just in case. This is mandatory. <laughs> the calculator will take you three minutes, not even, maybe one minute to, to <laughs> fill the sliders in and to do that as well. Prosper, you're a busy guy. On that point, I wanted to ask you about uh, the, the continued process of learning because digital marketing is one of those industries that is changing often, particularly in the SEO space. Um, I, I had a business with my brother called SEO Works. Um, he still has that business. So it's moved on from when I was doing that with him. It's completely different today than it was, you know, five or six years ago, 10 years ago when we were doing it like that. So how, how, do, you, how do you stay ahead of the curve in the continual process of learning and the evolution that digital marketing is? You literally have to keep running in order to stand still. Just like <laughs> that duck, you know, it looks graceful going around, but under the water, my friend, stuff is happening. Engines are turning, turbines are, are, are rocking. You see, the thing is, I believe marketing is nothing but just applied psychology. If you have an understanding of who your target audience is, what is it that you can solve for them? And can you do work that matters for people who care? That will be amazing. Like you were talking about time management and everything else. I use what's called the Pomodoro method where, believe it or not, I aim to read a minimum four hours a day, mm -hmm. right? You can see the books behind me and everything else. This is not um, a green screen. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. So, so basically what I do is uh, when I wake up in the morning, it's usually run about um, six or seven that's usually an hour that I can fit in some sort of reading. All right. It could be meditative stuff. Right now I'm reading a book by uh, John DiMartini called the values factor mm -hmm. where it's basically what do people value and why would people continuously buy from any business? All right. It's no longer about having uh, the, the cheaper, better, faster widget or you know, better service or whatever it is, but are people really connecting to you as a person? Yeah. All right. Like the, the, the reason we're on this call today is because we've connected and we're, we, you know, we're bouncing off each other as humans and no one is selling anything. All right. We are basically, um, you know, exchanging value and communicating in a way that is also providing value to other people. So, you did say, um, how do I keep on top of everything else? The 
SEO, um, um, you know, uh, industry is always changing. June 20th, they changed the algorithm. Now it's called BERT, where you have to have EAT stuff, whatnot. Mm. But the one thing about it all is it's a moving target. All right. So if you know the, the ultimate basics of what the new algorithm knows, um, I mean, needs to, to happen, either pass it on to a professional all right, because there are people that are already studying what's coming up later on. So they just come and join my team and make it, you know, useful, make themselves useful to the coming, um, you know, uh, people. So because every person in SEO has a lifespan of one and a half months, mm-hmm. one and a half years, sorry, one and a half years. That's as long as they're relevant. And that's, that's how long Google takes to create yet another algorithm. So if somebody is relevant in 2020 right now, they're not relevant in 2022 because mm. there's voice search, all the other searches that are coming up, which they're not well-versed with um, currently. So we are always on the lookout to create a brand that can attract really good team members that want to work for us. That's how I've managed to stay relevant. Otherwise, yeah. I was certified in 2012. That's as far as my SEO goes. Mm. Right, right now, I'm not working on strategy because I can't keep going in and getting boggled with the new, new algorithm, new algorithm. What I now need is to create a flow of clients that come through. We have an understanding of what they need, and then I can distribute that work um, to really, really specialized people so we can get our clients the best result in the market. Yeah, I love that, man. And I love what you said about um, being an attractive place to work. I think um, business owners often forget that um, it's not just about attracting clients, it's about attracting talent. Because the more talented people that you have within your organization, the more clients are going to be attracted to you. You know, And it's a bit of a chicken and egg scenario as well. But if you've got a baseline of clients there as, as well, then it becomes an attractive place uh, to work. I did, a, I did an interview about, what was it, the start of the year with, um, with one of the biggest digital marketing agencies here in Sydney. And uh, that's, that's, that was their growth hack. Their growth hack was making this an incredible place to work, having an incredible culture that allowed people the latitude to do what they needed to do to get the job done for the clients. And then the clients would see that and recognize that. And it's like, well, there's just no one else that I would want to work with except you guys. And it applies across all businesses and it doesn't matter how big or small your business is or how much competition there is or there isn't. I think that growth hack is just incredibly important and and setting the right culture and setting the right framework in it. One of the really interesting things that's happened to me in the last couple of weeks since I launched my masterclass, because it's only been two weeks is I got the masterclass out and it's done and it's finished. And you know, it's 20 something videos in there. I think maybe, five to seven hours per video of production, you know, by the time you write the thing and, you know, you research it, you, you get it up, you record it, you edit it, you know, it takes time. So there's probably 100 to 150 hours worth of effort that's been put in there. And the pandemic has allowed me to do that, right? Because I've been locked away, no clients, no meetings, no disturbing by anybody, no phone ringing. So um, it's, it's been really good for that sense. And I got to the end of it and oh my God, the last video that I shot for it was the sales video because I deliberately waited to the end because I knew what I was going to put in there from content, but I didn't know how that was going to shake out. And by the time I got there, the sales video was done and dusted and I was really happy with it. And it was like, oh my God, I'm finished. I'm I'm so glad. But actually the work was just beginning. And 
I just wanted to share a little reflection that I had um, with the audience and with you and get your comments on it as well, because you know, you, you can create the greatest product in the world. And I can tell you that my masterclass is like nothing else. There's no other masterclass out there like what I've got because there's only one of me. It's unique. <laughs> Maybe the content's pretty good too. I don't know. I'm not the judge of that. You know, I'm the content creator. I've got some pretty really, I've got some really good testimonials from people and the production value of what I've done is really good. So I've, I've not held anything back from it. And at any other point in history, I don't think I would have been able to, to dedicate so much time and attention to it only because it requires a hell of a lot of effort. So the result of it is really, really good. So I'm really happy with the, the outcome. But now I've got to turn all of my digital marketing skills internally onto myself. And what I found was I wrote down a plan and you would see this all the time as a digital strategist. I've written down a plan and there's 41 traffic sources. I'm like, woohoo, 41 traffic sources. There's all these different things to do. And then I realized that what I'm actually doing is a mistake. And that might be a little bit of a, a dichotomy there, right? You've got 41 different traffic sources and that's a mistake. Well, if you think of each traffic source as a silo by itself, YouTube advertising, that's a silo by itself. If I think of uh, a content strategy or a blogging strategy or a LinkedIn strategy or a Facebook strategy or a group strategy or a podcasting strategy, all of these things are in isolation by themselves. And what I realized, the mistake that I was making was I, I stood back from it and just went, oh my God, that is so much work to do. I thought the masterclass was a lot of work doing that. That's nothing compared to this because I've got the best product in the world. Now I've got to go and sell it, right? So I've got to get it to market. And it's like, there's no excuses. I've got every skill set that I need to get it done. And I'm still distracted and I still can't do it. And I'm still struggling. And what I realized is the traffic sources that I need, they need to be fast. They need to be scalable. They need to be consistent and they need to be independent of platforms. So I worked out with those four steps. Then what I could do is I could kind of stop focusing on 41 individual line items and 41 individual things because the Facebook group strategy has 25 line items underneath it. So, you know, here's the 25 things I've got to do for Facebook. I've got to go in there in the group every day and I've got, it's, it's mindset motivation Monday. I've got to get in there and do a live and all of these sorts of things. And what I realized is none of that stuff that I'm talking about in those 41 line items is actually scalable. I can't get any scale there. I might be able to get scale if I'm paying for ads, pay-per-click ads um, in Facebook and YouTube and Instagram, wherever I'm paying for advertising, I can certainly get to scale there, but I might lose my shirt in the process. So you've got to be really careful. And so I've looked at each one of these um, traffic strategies that I've got and said, if it's not fast, scalable, consistent, and independent, I mean, independent meaning it's not platform dependent. If I go into AdWords and create an AdWords campaign and Google doesn't like what I'm doing and my AdWords account gets canceled, what then? Well, I've got to start again. I've got to go again. And the cost of that's expensive. Likewise in Facebook, my Facebook business manager account gets canned for some reason. What then? I've got to go and set up another one. I've got to start again. It's more expensive and blah, 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 on and on and on. And so the way that I kind of distilled it all down, if it's not faster, scalable, consistent or independent, don't do it, don't touch it. So my 41 traffic sources has been distilled down to about a dozen. And it's been a really interesting process to have, have done that. And at the end of the day, what I discovered is that traffic and conversions and money, it comes from other human beings. 
And the mistake you make is thinking that you can run a Facebook ad campaign, thinking that Facebook is going to send you traffic to your website and it's just going to convert. But the reality is there's a person on the other end of that click. And if you're not connecting with that person, if you're not engaging with them or you're not retargeting them properly or you haven't got them on your email list and you're not communicating properly with them, none of it's ever going to work. So if it's not fast, scalable, consistent or independent, don't do it. And it has to tick all four of those boxes. It must tick all four of those boxes. And it's been a really, it's been a really fun experience if that is your idea of fun. I don't know. It's my idea of nerdy, geeky fun to go back and do that. And for myself as well, not for a client either. I'm doing it on my own business. So it's kind of cool. Absolutely. And and I respect that, bro. 42. I was getting very anxious when you were talking about it. And I was like, whoa, who's got time to look at all of that stuff. But then one thing that you then mentioned that is of utmost importance is people buy from people. Mm right? It it doesn't matter how many tricks you're going to put out there to make people uh, want to look at what you're saying. People will never respond to marketing that is not talking to them. Yeah. All right. Is that Sully? Right. What is Sully doing at this particular moment? What is Sully? Why would Sully need your product? Mm. And if anything that you're going to be doing out there, this is a formula that I always tell people, if you really, really want to be of influence to anyone on the marketplace, your product should encourage their dreams. Remember, everyone is hoping to be something in their life. So you could have the best masterclass, you could have the best book on the shelf, Mm. but is it going to encourage my dreams and make me feel good about myself? Is it going to justify my fears? Because we are, as human beings, already afraid to fail. We are already afraid to be successful. That is also what happened by zoning down those 42, because what if it works and I can't handle it? Ever thought of it that way? And then when your content aligns with people's fears, right? And then... Once you've done that, it confirms with their suspicions. You were suspecting that, oh my God, this might be too much for me to handle. It might explode and then I might annoy the people and then it's not going to work. That, those were your suspicions. You didn't test it out. Mm. You just called it before you tested it out. So that's a suspicion. And then pretty much from them, if your content is helping people throw rocks at their enemies, People will beat a path to wherever you are. You know why everybody's always trying to run away from something else. Mm, mm. And once you've done that, look at the emotion, the time and the brand ROI that comes into looking at your stuff. It's not just the money that people are getting from that, um, you know, masterclass. The emotions that are involved in them leaving what they already know because anything that you're telling somebody for the first time, you are literally insulting the intelligence because they thought they knew. Mm. (laughs) Right? So there you go in with that sort of new information. You could have all of those spinning widgets there, but if the person is not in the right frame of mind for them to understand that content, all of that will be for note. So there's four ways really that you can go in and put out your content out there. And I've put it in the term A, C, D, C. You would know the Australian rock band, right? (laughs) Yeah, baby. So whatever whatever you're going to be doing there, make sure that people are aware 
of what you do, who you do it for, and why they should care. All right? And that should be maybe two or three things that you do so that people are aware of your business. Like this podcast here, you're going to reach so many thousand people, you know, and they're Mm. probably hearing us for the first time. Hello, Sally. (laughs) All right? And, And once they've done that, that's the awareness phase. They should now start considering working with you. What, what are you doing within that consideration phase? All right? Because you're not the only person that they're being exposed to. Mm. Even McDonald's is going, I'm loving it. You know, and, then, and, then, and asking them, would you like fries with that? They're being sold right now. Somebody's vying for that dollar that you are also trying to get at that particular moment. So they're weighing oranges and apples based on whoever they are in life. Mm. Then they're going to make decisions. How is your content reaching them when they're in their decision phase? And the actual conversion, what are you doing to make it easy for people to do business with you? So half of all these things that we normally do, sometimes people try and automate, 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 but you can never automate a hug. All of, <laughs> all of what these guys are looking for out there is somebody to really tell them it's going to be okay. Mm. So it's either them making money or it's either them having a decision in their life. Whatever it is that we're doing, somebody is literally looking for someone to make sure that it's okay. And I'll tell you one thing, what me and you uh, get paid for there, Robert. We get paid for our clients to have someone to blame because they don't want to make a mistake. All right. Your master masterclass helps them you know, go through whatever they're going through and then and, and helps them create a business that's profitable and enjoyable. But if it doesn't work, who do they point fingers at? Yeah, that's, you, you're quite right, you know, and, and that, that applies to so many things in life as well. And yeah. the, the way, it's an interesting process to go through when you think about how to set a price for something because I've been in the startup space a lot. I've helped a lot of people in the startup space and I've worked there myself and with my own businesses as well, of course. And one of the things that inevitably gets asked is, well, how much are you going to charge for the thing? And, it's, and, when, and you go out and do a, a comparison and you see that other people are charging like $1,000 for what it is that I've got. It's like, is someone going to buy it for $1,000? I don't know. You've got to put it out there and see. That's, that's the whole point, right? And what I discovered, especially in the SaaS space, because we're other SaaS business as well, is that when value exceeds price, you'll have a transaction every single time. And, and it really it applies to SaaS as, as it does to coaching, as it does to products and services as well, whether that's in e-commerce or in the real world. If value exceeds price and the perception of value from that prospect or that individual that's going to buy something is higher than the, the price, you'll be right. And when I created the masterclass, my thinking was, where do you set the price point? What's, what's it worth? And I showed it to a bunch of my mates and stuff that are in this space as well. And they're like, $800, $700. And I'm like, what if it was just 99 bucks? Nobody could complain because the value that I deliver is so much greater than what you're expecting. So, and, and at what price point, the other thing is, the other, the other consideration was, what price point is it where people go, yeah, I'd drop a hundred bucks on that. That's pretty good. But would I drop 150 bucks on it? Nah, nah. But that's only my anecdote, right? Because 150 bucks to me is like a bit more than 100 bucks, but I've got 100 bucks spare all the time. It's not a big deal, right? I'll just buy it. 
But then if someone asks me for a refund, am I going to give them their hundred bucks back? Well, yeah, of course I am. But are they going to ask me for a refund? No, because there's so much value in there that that individual that purchased it with hopes and dreams of me solving all of their problems is going to get on the other side of the paywall into the masterclass and go, wow, this is really good stuff. And so I over deliver on the front end. There's a whole bunch of psychology on the front end, right? Give massive value on the front end, massive amounts of content, give everything. And that, that has been part of the actual uh, enjoyment of delivering a masterclass and creating that as well. I would imagine it's the same as, uh, as writing a book. Um, I, I guess in the process, I've written a book and I just got to put the thing together of, of doing that. But I can understand why people want to write a book and why an author wants to get that off their chest and get it out there as well. Because you can get everything out there when you do it like that. It's a really good experience. Oh, absolutely. You see, you're, you're touching on very important points because I believe people are here to leave, mm. to learn and to contribute but amongst all of those things, those are my values, actually. And I want to impose them on everyone. But, <laughs> <laughs> but a few people value very few things. All right. Like, that's the reason why we never all come to the same consensus as to um, why money is good. Because some people see what they want to see when somebody is rich. Mm. All right. So here is a case in point. If you see somebody who's driving the latest Range Rover or whatever classy car parked at McDonald's, you'd be like, oh my God, this guy is so rich, but he's eating a burger. All right. <laughs> he might value how he shows up in the car, but he might not value what he eats. So he might be rich with a Rolls Royce and everything else, but for lack of a really good example, he's very rude to his wife mm. or the people around him. And then you then associate that and say, rich people are rude or rich people do X, Y, and Z. But each and every one of us is different based on what it is that we value. Now, coming back to your customers, you might go all in with all that um, content and everything else, but someone might just look at it and be like, I wish I was that guy, but I can't be like him. So <laughs> nah, it's not going to work. And you can't help somebody like that. Mm. Sally who automatically has told herself, I can't be like that. So there's no need for me to keep learning. And some people also just literally just get overwhelmed because they're approaching you with a very low energy and your energy that you would have brought to the table is so high. They're going to say, let me try this another time later. Mm. when my energy can match that, right? So, so you, you know what I mean? So it's the value of what somebody would pay is directly proportioned to who they are showing up at the masterclass. You could give it for free or people could pay $100,000 for the same thing. Have you ever seen, you've flown in a plane. I mean, obviously mm. there's quarantine and everything else, but there's the guy who's sitting right at the end of the toilet. That guy probably paid 70 bucks for his seat. Mm. And then there's a guy who's sitting right close to the pilot in the first class. That guy probably paid 7,000 for that seat. Mm. On the same plane, it doesn't even mean that the guy who's in front is going to arrive anytime earlier. But <laughs> depending on what people value, all right, People can pay any different price point. So don't be bogged down to um, what um, you know, price point you're going to put out there to people. Just do work that matters for people who care. And once you've done that 
It becomes so easy for you to attract people who are of the same worldview, who see things in the same light, and you can help them because a minimum viable audience is the best audience than trying to be everything to everyone and become nothing to everybody else. We're just here sitting and watching, bro. Mm, mm, mm. It's so true because it, it applies to absolutely everything in business. That's, that's what I love about it, right? And, and it comes back to that concept of a thousand true fans. You might have heard that before. There's a thousand people on the planet that will be your brand evangelist for you. But there's also the concept of 10,000 people woke up this morning globally wanting what you've got. Your job is to go and find those 10,000 people. You know, and if you take $1,000 off each one of those people in the next three months, you'll be doing pretty well in your business. And the internet, Zoom, Skype, all of those things enable you to do that. It's, really, uh, it's a really good thing. Prosper, tell me, uh, who are your ideal clients, mate? Who, who do you like to work with? If somebody's listening to this and go, and they say, well, I'd love to work with this guy. He sounds really good. He knows what he's talking about. Like, who, who are your ideal clients? Absolutely. I, first of all, want to help people that are out there to help others. So you could be a service provider um, in, in the form of a lawyer, a doctor, a consultant, anyone that's out there making other people's life better. Mm -hmm. I want to help you reach that audience. Very nice. Very nice. Excellent. Well, uh, I can't let you, uh, I can't let you leave the go all in podcast without putting you in the go all in podcasters hot seat. This, this part, this part costs extra. This, this is the extra bit, right? So (laughs) I just want to say thanks as well. Thank you for being so giving to my audience and, and sharing a little bit of your journey, your story, and your values. You know, those values that you just shared, I'll, I'll happily take those. They're, they're really good ones, really nice ones. And I appreciate you being so giving and, and sharing with us here today. So thanks uh, from the bottom of my heart and on behalf of the audience as well. But look, I can't let you go, as I say, without putting you in the, in the hot seat. Mate, you, you, you poor folks down there in Mexico, in Melbourne, have been locked down again for another six weeks. That sucks badly. Uh, this morning I was at the cafe. I went to the gym earlier and I went for a walk down at the beach. Just rub it in, rub that's, it that's what in. It was, this beautiful man. You know? <laughs> it's beautiful in the Northern part of the world up here in New South Wales. Uh, you know, I've, I've had a lot of time to reflect in the last couple of months. And one of the things that I love to do personally is to travel. And I always like to ask people, uh, you know, that are particularly from different parts of the world. You're from Africa. Uh, I've never been to Africa, but do you have a favorite holiday destination? Is there somewhere that you love to go? Oh, I'll tell you, my favorite holiday destination is something that I've actually created and we're, we're looking at it right now. Oh, really? Absolutely. I love where I am right now so much that see how we've enjoyed doing this podcast. <laughs> Try doing that at a beach somewhere else where it's windy and the sun is hot. My work. And <laughs> <laughs> but if you really ask me, my wife likes going to Bali and I've also recently discovered cruise ships as an easy holiday where I don't have to worry about nothing. All the food is taken care of. You go out for 14, 15 days and then it's just absolutely beautiful. So um, I'm torn between Bali and a really good a well-organized cruise ship. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that's gone away for the foreseeable future, which is a real shame because uh, I, I have to agree with you. That is, uh, that is a really good, it's a good holiday with your kids as well. Yeah. Because um, you've got little kids as well. My kids were a bit bigger last time we took them. They're like teenagers and it's like, are the kids even 
Well, I don't know. They can't get off the ship. Who cares? They can't get off the ship. That's all that matters. <laughs> and, at, and at two o'clock in the morning, I walk past the bar and I see my 16-year-old son sitting at the bar and oh. I'm looking at him sideways going, yo, what's, what's going that? on, mate? And he's like looking at me going, yo, dad, what's happening? Like, are you drinking Hope you beer at the bar there? <laughs> Hope you didn't cramp his style because he was probably necking on some really nice horses there. There was. There was yeah, indeed. And, exactly. and I just kind of, I let him go. I was like, uh, all, all right, whatever, man. I, you know, if you knew how much beer I drank when I was 16, I, I can't say nothing. I'm, I'm not allowed to say anything. <laughs> Hook in, man. Go for it. Like, whatever. Right, you know, so. Responsible parenting, of course, you know, on the cruise ships, mm. like, all of that stuff. All right, next one is... Uh, Tell me, mate, what's a, what's a skill that you're working on at the moment that you haven't yet mastered? You see, the one thing that I've always, always, always wanted to do is to master my mind. And once I've figured out what's going on in there, I would be able to be the best version of who I can be. Mm-hmm. I'll be the best dad. I'll be the best husband. I'll be the best business person, the best employer and just the best human being out there so I can help somebody else's life better, you know? So that's one skill that I'm constantly working on and making sure that it's, because it's one thing that's going to stay constant with me. Anything else can come and go. I could go in and learn and become a computer technician. And before you know it, everything is now happening in the cloud. Do you know what I mean? So that, most if if you've noticed the way that I've sort of started operating, it's just really making sure that I build the person from inside out. And then when I show up into the world, that's just basically um, the best gift that the universe has put up on, on this world for anyone to see. Yeah, that's beautifully said, mate. Well, I can definitely help you with that. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you a copy of my uh, masterclass, which happens to be called master your mind and go all in. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're welcome. We've got a couple of uh, copies to give away today as well for the listeners. Um, So make sure you have a look at the show notes and you can see all the links right there and how you can get yourself a copy of that. Last one for the hot seat. What's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received? Oh, the best piece of business advice is, we obviously just talked about it, always keep learning because there's always something around the corner and the reason why you're not where you want to be today is because you don't know something that you don't quite know right now. And once you've done that, where you are is temporary. If you're in a hard place right now, just breathe. It's all going to be um, over before you know it. And you'd have a good story to tell. So take note of whatever is happening. Beautifully said, mate. That's, uh, that is definitely good business advice. Prosper, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Absolutely. See, as an SEO person, I've tried so hard to make sure that if you just type in Prosper, <laughs> <laughs> I will be able to be found. But uh, I'm supposing you will have show notes um, on the, uh, my website. Uh, my, 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 my website is www.leavelongdigital.com dot com dot au so just in case you might forget it's just live long and prosper um and um obviously you will find um us over here so we can help you earn more money with less struggle 
Sounds fantastic. And again, you're quite correct. If you're listening to this podcast on your uh, phone via the app, just have a look at the show notes and all the links to Prosper's website and his socials are right there. So make sure you reach out and connect. And if you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll on down and all of the details are right there. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. You better subscribe to this channel or I'll send Prosper after you. You'll be in trouble to SEO you. (laughs) We'll find you. Thank you for coming on the Go All In podcast, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure to spend an hour here with you today. It was a lot of fun. It's rare that I have a guest that's high energy or higher energy than me. And I felt that today, which I really enjoyed. So thanks for bringing it for the audience and for bringing it for me. I'm going to give you the opportunity to, uh, to leave us with the parting shot. What have you got? What's, what's the final piece of wisdom from you? Absolutely. Wow. I really, really want to be thankful for whatever you um, have said. I was looking, thinking you were talking to somebody else in your room there, but it was all me, right? You see, the thing is what I just did there, being very thankful and having gratitude because the more you are thankful of anything that you like, the more the universe is going to uh, bless you with those kind of things. That's what I viscerally believe that whatever is going through right now, you could be in the hardest time in your business. It could be in the hardest time in your relationship or whatever it is. Just take note of what's actually happening because you're going to talk about that later and be thankful. Yeah. Cause everything happens to us for a reason. All right. So thank you so much for having me on the show uh, today and um, yeah, just go all in. I love it, mate. Thank you again for that uh, little bit of parting wisdom. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks again, and we look forward to speaking with you soon. It's bye for now. Well, there you have it, folks. If you want to connect with Prosper, just take a a little peek at your phone and all of the links to his website and socials are right there. And if you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll on down and all of the details are right there in the show notes for you as well. Now, if you've got a message or some feedback for the show, you can reach out via the GoAllIn socials or you can send me an email at any time. Just visit goallin.com.au to find out more. Well, that wraps it up for the show today. So whatever it is that you're working on, whatever you're doing, get busy, get to it and go all in. I'll see you next time. Don't think I'm ready for you. Don't think you're ready for me either. I know you've been with her too long. It's okay, I'm just saying. What if she told you that she still likes you?